I really think technology has a lot to do with it. I think technology has sped up our lives and the speed creates a lot of anxiety. The velocity at which we live these days, like the amount of information we take in that creates the amount of emotions that we have throughout the day is a lot different than 30, 40 years ago. Our thoughts create emotions. Our emotions often can, you know, create anxiety. You know, you pick up your phone and within seconds you have consumed so much information, right? You've consumed like what your best friend is eating for lunch, what our president said last night, like, you know, just so much information in 30 seconds. And all of that information creates emotions within you, right? And I think just trying to consume all that all at once, it's overwhelming. It's too much. And sometimes it's scary, right? It's just like too much. How do you process all of that? And what do you do with it? You're listening to The MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, balancing all of it. And today on the show, I have Claire Bidwell-Smith who is a three-time author. She's about to become a mom for the third time and recently got remarried and has a beautiful, big, blended family. So Claire has a book coming out September 25th, Anxiety. The title of the book is Anxiety, the Missing Stage of Grief. So you can, uh, you can order that online at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, I already pre-ordered mine. I can't wait for it to come in the mail. And Claire is just an enlightened being, truly. She just really got so much from our conversation. And I could have talked to her for hours. I actually could have listened to her talk for hours. So we talk about anxiety. And we, you know, my child suffers from anxiety. And we just started back to school. And he's in a new school. And last year, he was having panic attacks at night and in the morning. And part of it is, I mean, it's layered, right? Like part of it is that he's dyslexic and school was really hard for him. And another part of it is that my husband and I were going through a divorce and my child was inevitably, you know, as as delicate as and as loving as we were with it. He was in the middle of it and having to go between two houses, which isn't fun. Like I would be really pissed if I had to sleep in a different bed you know, part of the time. I'd be like, what the F is this crap? I really have a different relationship with anxiety. I've also suffered from my own anxiety and depression my whole life. Uh, But now raising a child who suffers from anxiety and has panic attacks is really challenging and gives me just a new, a whole new level of empathy and compassion. Anyway, I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hi, Claire. Hi. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So just before I hit record, we were talking about dating <laughs> post-divorce. And you said, and I quote, it gets harder and harder as we get older because people come with more baggage. It's true. Myself included, oh, by yeah. the way. No, yeah. I'm definitely talking about myself. <laughs> but but yes, um, our counterparts out there as well. Yes. Yeah, it was, just, uh, it was exciting. <laughs> but you just... Got married. Congratulations. Thank you. And you're pregnant. I am six months pregnant. 
And you we, look radiant. <laughs> well, I feel like Al Bundy, as we just discussed, <laughs> with like big beer gut sitting here. But yes, thank you. And how has this pregnancy been for you? Hard. Yeah. I think everything gets harder as we get older because Ugh. we know more about the world, right? Mm. I think um, I was just so naive before in everything, just kind of flouncing into the world with exciting expectations. And now I, like, I've been beaten down so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I've been slapped down by the world so many times that I'm just kind of scared now totally. of everything. Totally. Um, so third pregnancy that I was not anticipating nor particularly desiring um, is here. And uh, I'm getting more and more excited about it. I think these people, little people sometimes just want to come into the world regardless of whether we want to be pregnant at 40 or not. Yes. So Yes. Um, and it's not always about us because you have two daughters it's true. That will get a, a baby sister or a baby brother. And I also have two stepdaughters and a stepson. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. There's going to be <gasps> six six kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That sounds fun, though. Because, like, I'm an only child. And my, my son's an only child. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's so interesting that you created and drew to you this big, beautiful, joyous family. I know. I still can't believe it when I say that I'm about to have my third child and I also have three stepkids. It's, it sounds like I'm, I'm like, who, wait, <laughs> there's like a foreign alien that I'm somehow living inside of. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, just a little bit of background is that um, I know Claire through her writing, which drew me to this workshop that she did with Kelly called Spark. And then I read your first two books. Her third book is about to come out, and I'm so excited to get it. I pre-ordered mine in the mail. We're going to have links to that on the episode. But your first book, Rules of Inheritance, is about the loss of your mother. And my father. And your father, and um, at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so being orphaned at that young age, and then now juxtaposed with what you've created in your own life, is, is also just this really beautiful metamorphosis. I guess I want to ask you like how when you think about grief and your your new book is about and I'll let you I want to hear you talk about it a little bit but mm -hmm. grief and anxiety and grief which mm -hmm. I love that that is coming out because that's something that I didn't ever think of as an obvious but when I had my postpartum depression it was all anxiety. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that anxiety was, I just didn't know what anxiety was even. Yeah. I just thought I'm high strung and something's wrong with me and, and I need to chill out. Mhm. Mm but what I want to ask you is, you know, you're about to have this third baby and this big, beautiful, you have this big, beautiful family now. And how does it sprinkle in this, this still lingering grieving process of not having parents today? Yeah, um, that's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But it all is, it is all connected. Um, so my parents both died by the time I was 25 and as an only child, I was suddenly very alone and orphaned in the world. And it was really scary and really, just really scary. You know, I just kind of felt disconnected. I felt really lost. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or who I was or... I felt very different from everybody around me. You know, everyone at 25 was, you know, kind of post-college, like, yeah. you know, their first jobs, drinking a lot in relationships, partying, doing all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. And you were very close with your parents. I was. They were great. your mom, but your father yeah. also. Yeah, very my dad close. and I got close after my mom died. Um, but then we, we only had a short period of time um, together, but they were great. They were amazing. And they were really interesting people. They had had me late in life and they just had lived a lot of 
lives themselves and they, they were good pillars to have and then they were gone. Um, so I floundered for a while and, you know, just finally began to make my way. And I think the thing that's always been my, my, my way of moving through this is just to let it break me open, Mm -hmm. just to let it break me down. It's so painful. It's so scary. But when we fight it and we resist these, these transitions, whether it's postpartum depression or it's divorce or it's loss or whatever it is, when we fight it and we try to keep it from happening it doesn't really work you know yeah when we let it really break us down what what is revealed is usually this the strength you know and who we need to become Mm. um regardless of how painful that is (laughs) so i've definitely tried really hard to fight it or to numb out from it i spent a lot of time um you know immersing myself in alcohol or bad relationships or just running and traveling as ways of kind of trying not to not to let it touch me as much as it needed to and Finally, eventually I would just get broken down and, and that's when I would emerge, you know, stronger and come through it. My divorce was brutal, you know, five Mm. or six years ago. Again, it was like another really having to like, just get broken down, just totally reduced to ashes and have to come Mm. back up. You know, Mm. when I look back on those experiences though, I'm grateful for them Yes, because you get to emerge, Yes, you know, all over again. Yes. And what happened in your in your marriage, you have two gorgeous little girls, mm-hmm. uh, nine and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you were married for a while. Yeah. Um, we were married for six years. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what happens. Like, again, it's like I, I, it was maybe I was naive. We got married when I was 30 and it seemed like great. And then into early, early raising our kids, everything just seemed to fall apart. You know, we just just seemed like we could not be together. Yeah. We were complete opposites and everything that had pulled us together was now driving us apart. And it was the only thing I knew how to do was to leave. So, but it was so painful, Yeah, you know, even though it was something that I felt like I needed to do, it was still like so hard and so painful. Yes. When I first met you, um, I was just starting to contemplate leaving my marriage Mm -hmm. and it was so painful and you really helped me just with your worldview and everything you just described about like yeah it sucks and it's painful and just feel it Mm -hmm. just be in it yeah and also like there's so much duality like it can be hard and freeing at the same time yeah two things can be true at once that's like my mantra it is (laughs) yeah and I love that I always think of you when I think of that and when I tell other women that you know that um it's a both and. Yeah. It's both and. Yeah. So. I remember I remember talking to one of my old high school friends right around right when I was going through my divorce and I was crying so hard and she was like, Claire, I maybe maybe you shouldn't do this. It sounds like you're you're pretty sad. And I was like, No, I'm sad, but I also need to do it. Like I was so frustrated that she didn't understand that it was yes. could be both. Like I did need to do that and it was also really painful. Yes. So, because it is painful. Yeah. I was somewhere last night and I said, I'm just so tired. And I'm I'm at the very tail end of my divorce. It's very fresh. And she said, oh, honey, she, she's divorced. This woman's in her 70s and divorced like three mm-hmm. times, I think. <laughs> and she said, you're just emotionally exhausted. You just need to let yourself be emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's like death, divorce, and moving. Those are the things. Mm-hmm. And just let it, let it be. Just take a nap. It's okay. Yeah. And it was so nice to have that permission. Definitely. To 
as you say, to just be in it. Yeah. It's freeing to just let yourself do it. Yeah. So I cry all the time. It's great. <laughs> it is. Well, and is there's some science too, and I'm, I, I have nothing to quote. I have no resource to quote, but, um, or source or resource, uh, <laughs> that, that it does like chemically release things. It's a great stress reliever. Yeah. yeah it's up there with orgasms. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> orgasms since you brought that up. <laughs> I was in prenatal yoga the other day and I was looking at all the pregnant women in this room of like 12 pregnant women. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, they all had sex to have make this big belly. And then I started, I totally, I told Mark this, he's like, you're so crazy. I was like, then I was just, all I could do was wonder what their O faces were. Like I was sitting in the- What their O faces were. Yeah. Oh my God. I was just looking at each of these women in my class and I was like, oh no, oh, that was my second thought after that, that they all had sex, which maybe they didn't, maybe some had um in vitro but but i was thinking um i wonder how many of them orgasmed during the the conception sex i wonder what the percentages of women who actually orgasmed during the the actual intercourse that they have that makes a baby and then and then i went to like i wonder what their o faces are and then i was like okay i need to do downward dog now um, <laughs> but it's really fun these hormones yes it's exciting i love it <laughs> what their o faces was what was that show that was about the sex research Oh yeah, Masters uh, of Sex. Yes, yeah, that was great. Yes, and I wonder. Well, I guess they wouldn't like. I think that I know when. Um, oh, I see. After this, up on the shelf, look <laughs> at all your beautiful books and all the in different languages. Yeah, that is so inspiring. That's the first one. It's come out in like eighteen countries now. Wow, NBD. Yeah, NBD. Eighteen <laughs> countries. That's incredible, Claire. Thanks. What does that feel like? That one. It feels great. It's um. You know, that was really about my parents and about this legacy. And so when I think about people all over the world reading about my mom and dad, um, that makes me feel really good mm. that there, it, it continues that they're still alive. And this in is some Rules way. of Inheritance, mm -hmm. Claire's first book. And, um, and I remember reading that book shortly after I met you and went on that retreat. And I just, it's one of my favorite books to this day. I just love Thank it you. so much. It's so beautifully written. And I really feel like I got to be with you on that ride. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's just, and I can't wait for your new one to come out. So you lost your parents. You were orphaned mm -hmm. at 25. And you found your way to becoming a grief counselor. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I went through a pretty pretty big destructive teardown after my dad died. You know, it's just like really lost, as I said. And um, delving into things that weren't healthy relationships, you know, substance abuse, different things. And then kind of when I hit rock bottom and came out of that, I, I just had to really go to therapy and get some help. And it was great. Therapy was amazing. And I had resisted it. My parents both got cancer at the same time when I was 14. Um, and I didn't go to therapy till I was about 26. So I had a good dozen years of just really hard stuff that I needed to process. And I had really not wanted to go to therapy for some reason. Um, and when I finally did, it was so helpful. It was painful. It was difficult because there was just so much to sit with and so much to look at that was like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to, you know, look at, keep opening up these little boxes and being like, oh, there was that thing. And then there was this and revisiting these painful moments. But in doing so, I found a lot of healing. And then I found the process really interesting. I think as a writer, there's a lot of crossover between writing and therapy because they're both really about exploring narratives and about exploring stories, the stories we tell ourselves, the stories that are forced on us, the ways that we look at the world and the ways that we kind of move through it 
I've always found a lot of similarities in those two. And so it just, it, I really liked it. I decided to go back and get my master's and become a therapist. And when I had finished all my schooling and my training, um, I gravitated towards the field of death and dying. I just wanted to work with, with that population and with grief. And I worked in hospice for a period of years, which was really, really illuminating and really beautiful. Mm. Um, in what capacity? You know, it's interesting. I'm being pregnant again right now. It's it's always funny to have these two because I work in the field of death and dying still. I constantly am talking to people who are either dying or going or have just lost somebody or going through this. And when you're pregnant and bringing something in somebody into this world, it's you know the, the opposite. It's two ends of the spectrum, and we do some such a better job of bringing people into the world than we do of helping people exit. Mm. And we need to be working on improving the exit strategies because we're all going to exit. Yes. We are all going to exit and we don't know when and we don't know how. And there needs to be a lot more support and acceptance and preparation around it in the same ways that we do for birth and bringing people in. You know, we bring people gifts. We get things ready. We have, we set intentions. We go to classes. We, we gather together in, you know, birth ceremonies or bridal shower. Celebrations. Yeah. Baby Baby showers showers, or whatever it is. And, we don't do that for death. And and it's a real shame. Yeah. Um, I think that there I found a lot of beauty in hospice because it really was about a lot more intention around death and dying, which is right. something that had been missing from my experiences with losing my parents. Not so much my dad, but my mom for sure. And um so yeah, I love this field. I've been doing it for over ten years now. And um, I have a private practice here in Los Angeles. I talk to clients around the world. I have online grief programs. I'm pretty immersed in it. My third book about grief and loss is coming out in a couple of months. <laughs> so, Tell me a little bit about your new book. It's called Anxiety, the Missing Stage of Grief. It's a particular facet of grief that I feel really is very important and is underlooked at this time in our, you know, psychological community. Um, anxiety is on the uptick in our culture period. You know, everyone's anxious right now, particularly given our... Well, no, wait a minute. Do you think... <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that could be a whole other podcast topic. Yeah. Um, you were about to say, given our political climate yes, and what's exactly. happening in our country. Yes, of course. But do you think everyone's anxious now? I do think everything. everyone's anxious a little more right now. But do you think... I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself. I've always been anxious. I've suffered from anxiety mm-hmm. since I was a small child, just for who knows why. Mm-hmm. But do you think people have always been anxious or that we're and that we're now more aware of it or that people are more anxious or maybe it's both? No, I think it's actually a cultural change. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it's due to technology. I think uh, um, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, depression was the real like psychological like flavor. You know, there was yeah. a lot of depression going on. There was a lot of... Um, substance abuse around depression. There was a lot of things contributing to it or trying to medicate it. And now I feel like it's really swung towards anxiety. And I, I I really think technology has a lot to do with it. I think technology has sped up our lives and the speed creates a lot of anxiety. Yes. Um, the velocity at which we live these days, like the amount of information we take in that creates the amount of emotions that we have throughout the day is a lot different than 30, 40 years ago. Um, our thoughts create emotions. Our emotions often can, you know, create anxiety. Um, and so just, you know, you pick up your phone and within seconds you have consumed so much information, right? Yeah. You've consumed like what your best friend is eating for lunch, <laughs> what, what our president said last night, like, you yeah. know, just so much information yeah. in 30 seconds and all of that information creates emotions within you. Right. Yeah. And I think just trying to consume all that all at once is it's overwhelming. It's too much. And sometimes it's scary, right? It's yeah. just like too much. How do you, how do you process all of that? Yeah. And what do you do with it? Where do you put it? And if we're not 
you know, I think there's all these new things like Headspace has gotten really popular, like the meditation and mindfulness right. apps and stuff. But we need more of that because we really have to counteract and balance all of this this information gathering that we're doing. Yes. Um, we have to learn how to also process it and sit with it and find space without it, you yes. know, because yes. otherwise it's creating anxiety. So that's why I think anxiety is truly on the uptick in our culture. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And knowing everything you know about that, what you just talked about, like how does that affect how you parent your girls? Which I know is a huge broad sweeping um, question, but I'm asking it (laughs) anyway. Um, And how do you like, how does that affect, like, do you see anxiety in your girls? I should ask. Yeah. I see it more in kids more in general, you know, like the kids at the school, like my kids, my, my oldest has anxiety, you know? And again, I think it's this, there's too much information. Like the stuff she knows about at nine, I didn't know about at all. Yeah. My really didn't know about. It's really amazing. And it's because of her iPad and it's because of the TV and it's because of everything that's going on. Yeah. I didn't know about half the stuff she knows. I didn't know about politics. Yeah. No. And now, I mean, my son knows way too much about our I mean in one way it's like I'm glad he knows and I'm glad we're talking about it I don't hide it from him but it's stressful yeah definitely for a, for a child and and why is this happening again it's overwhelming so overwhelming. my tactic is to really try to teach them kind of some mindfulness techniques and to teach them how our thoughts work to teach them like when they're having these overwhelming thoughts that they're scared of something or that they don't know how to handle something to really kind of step back and recognize that it's a thought. It's creating an emotion. It's not necessarily a reality. You know, they're focusing over and over on some kind of thought that's creating stress for them. Yeah. Um, But they don't have to, they can let go of that, you know, really finding meditation um, in our daily lives. Do they, do they meditate with you? They don't meditate, but just trying to, I mean, I didn't learn about cognitive, you know, dissonance and cognitive just behavioral stuff until I was in my late twenties, early thirties and like really is starting to pay attention to my thoughts and how, what I was letting dominate my days. Um, yeah. and so trying to teach them that early on, I think will be helpful to counteract so much of this technology and information yes. gathering. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's too much. I mean, my son, I was just talking to another friend of mine, my son, I gave him an iPad for his birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, it's just putting the limits on that, that it's difficult. And he's not only got an iPad, he's got a Nintendo this and a PS4 at his dad's house. And I mean, it's just endless. And I think, gosh, when I was his age, I think I had the joystick Atari. Right. And cable wasn't even a thing yet. I remember playing like Mario Nintendo at my friend's house. Yeah. I didn't even have one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was just not, there wasn't, uh, you know, everything's on demand. Any show you want to watch is like, you want to watch it right now? Yeah. But we didn't have that. We had to wait right. a week. Right. And just buying stuff too. Vera oh, will that. see something oh, and God. be like, oh, mommy, I want this. I need that. Can you order it right now on Amazon? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Can you just come drone over the house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So your book talks about, um, but specifically your book talks about anxiety and grief. So this is anxiety that comes on after a major loss. Um which is something I experienced after my mom died. I I started having panic attacks and some kind of hypochondria, like really worrying about my body and illness or that I was going to die or get sick. Um, And I grappled with it for years. And I'd had no, like you said earlier, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it was anxiety. I just thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. Um, I, and how old you were you again when your mom died? I was 18. 18. Yeah. So I was living in New York city and I was just like constantly, grappling with panic attacks and um, re- like this 
intense phobia that I was going to have an aneurysm at any second or a heart attack or something was going to happen. And I was very quiet about it. Like I didn't talk to anybody about it. So it was this kind of this thing I was dealing with all the all time. All by yourself. But I think a lot of people do that with anxiety. A lot of people don't talk about it. It doesn't present on the outside very much. Yes. It can for some people, but a lot of people, you you can, somebody can be very anxious and you would never know. And yes. they're just, it's this whole internal world that they're dealing with. Yes. So that was me for a long time. And when I started taking psychology classes, learning about trauma, learning about memory and how the brain works, I was just like, oh, I have anxiety. <laughs> you know? Was it a relief? It was a relief. It didn't make it go away, yeah. um, knowing what it was, but it's, it, was, it helped. It was the first stepping stone to, to dealing with it, um, was knowing what it was. And so from there, I started to find things like yoga, meditation, and mindfulness, and reading about cognitive behavioral psychology and how, you know, how to move through it. And that's all been really helpful. Um, and then about um, five years ago, I wrote an article online about anxiety as it relates to grief. I think it had the same title as the book. And all of a sudden, all these people started contacting me. Like there was nothing out there about anxiety and grief. So if you Google anxiety and grief, that article was one of the first things that popped up. It was on slate.com. And I started, I, I got this huge influx of clients who had recently lost somebody and who were experiencing debilitating anxiety. And so they all came in. And so I got a real education in working with them on, on how common this is. You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just me at all. It was so many people that would lose somebody, lose a parent, lose a spouse, lose a child, and suddenly just become overcome with anxiety. And it makes sense. You know, we go through a loss like that and it's so startling. It's such a slap in the face of our mortality, right? Yes, yeah. You're going about your life. You're planning for everything. You think everything's going to be fine. You're just planning along with everything. Everybody else, you're going to go to Target. You're going to have your 401k. You're going to like, you know, you know, get your divorce at 40. You're going to get remarried. And, you know, you just, you have your whole plan. And then all of a sudden everything gets thrown out the window when yeah. you lose somebody. And you're yeah. just so swiftly reminded of how vulnerable and fragile our lives are. And then you sit with that and you're like, well, how the fuck do I even leave the house? Yeah. It's so scary. Yeah. Now know? what's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen next? Yeah. And there's yeah. no point in planning anymore because it's yeah. just, you could die the second you walk out the door, you feel like, yes. and then you start worrying about your own illnesses. You start worrying about everyone around you, your kids and anxiety kind of begets anxiety. So yeah. once you let it run, once it starts going and you just let it run free, it can really take over. Yeah. And, and there's... The great news is that it's it's easily treatable. You can stop anxiety. You can really get a grip on it, but it takes some work, you know? And unless you know about that and know how to do it, it can start to run so free that it just takes over everything. Yeah. You start to get ang anxious about just hanging out with people. You get anxious about what you're eating. You get anxious about sleeping. You get anxious it's about so like sending your kid to school. Yeah. It just takes over. Yeah. Um, and everything becomes unmanageable and... Yeah. And, Life, and it affects yeah. you health wise. It really has mm. physical effects, which is confusing. You know, you can, you can literally develop ulcers. You can develop, um, heart palpitations. You can develop all kinds of stress reactions in your body that make you think, well, maybe it's not even anxiety. I actually am sick. I'm dying. And then you just, you're it's in the emergency room. Vicious it's cycle. It's so true. You just reminded me when my son was two and my husband was out of town and, and, for a long time, for these long jobs, he's in the film industry. And, and I started having this numbness down my left mm -hmm. chest pain and numbness down my left arm. Yeah. So I went to, I called my gynecologist because I didn't have a general. And she said, go to go see this cardiologist. So I went to see this man. He was older than dust. He must have been 89 <laughs> or 90, I swear. The kindest, oldest doctor. They ran some tests. They did all this. And he said, well, what, you know, he said, nothing's wrong with your blood. Nothing's wrong with your heart. 
And he said, what's your day? What is your day like? And I explained to him my life. And he just said, he said, it sounds like you don't have any time. I had a two-year-old again at the time. It sounds like you don't have any time for yourself. And I just burst into tears. Yeah. And it was like, <gasps> no, I don't. Like, and he just handed me a tissue and just stood there while I cried. I think he rubbed my back a little yeah. bit, like gently. And it was just... It was anxiety yeah. producing this physical Absolutely. response in my body. I thought it was having a heart attack. Yeah. And of course it does. I mean, think about if you get sad, liquid comes out of your eyes. Yeah. You cry and like liquid comes out of your eyes. Our bodies react to our emotions and yeah. our thoughts, you know? So anxiety really manifests in physical symptoms. Mm. Um, so I I really, this book was so important to me because no one has talked about this correlation between grief and anxiety. Is that an ice cream truck? I think it's the neighborhood ice cream truck. Oh, that's so fun. Um, So I I really, I'm excited to put it out there and kind of make this connection for other people. And everyone I talk to about it is like, oh my God, it's like this light bulb moment when I just see the title of the book. Yes. And when is, what is the release date? September September 25th. 25th. Okay, good. Yes. Two months out. I pre-ordered mine and I remember it saying, (sighs) I think it was going to ship on the 25th or 26th. So I'm... Very excited to get my Thanks. copy. I'll come back over here and get it signed. Right okay. <laughs> um, so let's see. What else do I want to ask you about? Um, I should also mention, I keep thinking to say it, but I'm always so deep into whatever you're saying right now. Claire is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. <laughs> I know you're shaking. You're like, no, but she is. She's also very humble. And um, it's startling to have someone be so deeply brilliant you know and also just gracefully beautiful at the same time it's it's, it's thank you it's package it's a great package <laughs> your husband's very lucky that's what i wanted to talk to you about okay so your husband mark 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 driver oh my god <laughs> he's, you he's, guys are so i've cute. written about him to the point where now he's like like he got recognized in New Orleans no like a way. month ago at some he was at he was at like a conference like and some woman a, an Instagram follower of mine that I've never met was just like are you Claire Bidwell Smith's husband Oh my god <laughs> he's a celebrity I know he's become his own little That's so it's cute really funny. Well I mean the two of you it is like yeah I'm telling you it is like it's like it's like I was going to say Brad Pitt and Angelina but they're kind of washed yeah. up at this No I'm kidding they're not We love you We love you Angelina <laughs> You guys are like, you are a celebrity couple, but you, he it lives in Atlanta with his children mm-hmm. and you live here in Los Angeles with your girls mm-hmm. and you're the forthcoming child with yeah. Mark. How, what, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, right? <laughs> um, yeah. We met in San Francisco on Thanksgiving Day, almost three years ago. Oh, yes. Tell this um, story. I love this story. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story. Okay. But his, his cousin is a friend of mine. She's also a writer. Her name's Suki Forbes. And she writes about death and grief as well. She lost a daughter. And I had gone up last minute, and she'd invited me to Thanksgiving dinner. And he had flown out from Georgia last minute with his one of his daughters. And when she realized that we were both coming, she s- seated us next to each other at the dining room table. And, um, you know, this was... Wow, it was this three years into my post-divorce life and I had been dating and I was just, I was really done at this point. I had like dated enough up until right then where I was just like, oh my God, no more, no more men, no more anything. I'm so over it. Yeah. 
she told me the night before she was going to put me next to him. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And um, she's like, no, he's tall and divorced and handsome. And I was like, yep, I've already, I've, I've been through Culver City. I know they're all tall and divorced <laughs> and handsome. <laughs> There's plenty of them. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, and he lives in Georgia. And I was like, yeah, no, what? Yeah. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. And nonetheless, it was just one of those things. Like so beyond me, it was, it, it, that's what it felt like. Just completely beyond my control, you know, like it was something preordained or it was just, it didn't matter what I wanted to do about it. It was going to happen. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, he lives in Georgia some of the time, part of the time with his three kids. Um, and so he's there and he's here and I'm there and, you know, yeah. I'm here and it's in some ways it's great. In some ways it's totally hard. You know, like I told you earlier, we went to Costco last weekend and it was like, <laughs> we so rarely do domestic things together because we're always traveling and we're always somewhere pretty exciting or, you know, doing something not normal that going to Costco seemed really sexy. Yes. <laughs> just like, wow, this is fun. We're, let's get some toilet paper, babe. <laughs> um, and, uh, Ooh, Clorox is on sale. But in some ways, I think maybe that's what makes a marriage work. Like, you know, like marriage yes. gets really boring really fast yes. and really old and yes. like really annoying. Yes. Um, and so, <laughs> so we don't have that normal kind of thing. Like mm. we, everything's always kind of up in the air. We, I don't know when he's, he's gone right now. He's in Colorado right now. I'll see him Sunday. You know, things are just kind of always interesting, which is good. And especially good for for people like me and for him. We're both really adventurous. We're pretty out in the world a lot. We don't, you know, we get bored easily. Yeah. So I think it, I think it works. It's kind of great for our kids in a lot of ways. Like last night he wasn't here and my girls and I just had the best cozy night. I made an entire tray of different desserts and we watched reality television together and like cuddled up and they slept in my bed with me and it was like the best, you know, delicious stuff you don't get necessarily when your husband's here or their stepdad, you know, like, yes. um, so to have that kind of time and he has similar time with his kids without me, without my kids around, that's really important. Yeah. So it works on some levels for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so great because I think just, I mean, just where I'm at having just, oh, there's the ice cream truck again. <laughs> I feel like we should run out and get something and then come back <laughs> and finish the to. podcast. Is that it's hard for me to imagine ever being with someone again, but yeah. living with someone and sharing a life and what does that look like because of to circle back around to what you were saying, like when you lose something like that, it's, it makes, I'm, I'm in the stage where I'm fearful yeah. of how could I possibly ever do that again? And because it didn't, it didn't work when I did it the first time, but I do. And I, and, and I like having my space back and mm -hmm. I like having my time alone with my child. Mm -hmm. And that's just so sacred. And, and I, I wouldn't have that if I had another yeah. partner and lived it. So I think there's something really, really beautiful about the way you guys are doing this. And just, it gives you more autonomy to mm -hmm. breathe. Yeah. And have probably a healthier marriage, honestly. Yeah, we do have a lot of autonomy, which is good. And it's also become important to me. Like my post-divorce life, as hard as it was to be a single mom, I also really loved being on my own. And I loved having my own household. Yeah. It was so fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just yeah. to get up in the morning, get the kids to school, get everything going, take out the trash, be responsible for everything. But it was also awesome. Yeah. And so that's something I'm not willing to relinquish completely. And yeah. and I think he feels the same. So in some ways it's pretty great, but it's also really, like you said, doing this again, it's, it's also very scary that I, I definitely have anxiety about our relationship a lot. Just having been married, having had it fall apart, having gone into that first marriage optimistic and thinking it was a good idea and feeling great. Of course. Yeah. Um, I remember waking up 
with Mark a few months into our relationship one night and he was asleep still. And I sat in bed in the dark and just stared at him and I just wept. And I was like, cause I just knew how much I loved him already. I knew I wanted to marry him. And I was like, fuck, what if I fuck it up again? Like, what if oh. I, you know, I was so scared and I've had a lot of moments like that with him. And again, it's like, what are you going to do? You just have to go for it. Right. Like you either don't, you completely shut down and just put that armor around you and you don't let love in again or you or you keep going and you try again and like i guess if i fuck up i fuck up but yeah. like um, well when we're all fucking up every day right? all the time anyway so yeah. you know it's we're all in it together can i i mean <laughs> i'm afraid to even ask this just because how is it going to be when the baby comes what or do you have is there a plan in place or just i mean here's my anxiety coming out that i'm projecting completely yeah. i will own it but like, how do you, cause you're a busy lady. You have mm-hmm. two children, you have pets, you have uh, a book coming out. I'm a sure you have a private yeah. practice, a private practice. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. Um, I, it's, I don't know yet. It's, I've, I've definitely had. Wait, some... hold for the plane one second. Cause what you're about to say is truth bomb and I don't <laughs> want to miss it. You're right by the airport. I the know, little airport. The little airport. Yeah. The Angelina and Brad airport. They fly out of there. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the private little Santa Monica airport where all the celebs fly out. Oh, of. well, there you go. Um, okay. No, it's this this pregnancy has been hard because I wasn't planning for it. And um, and it just changes everything. And I've been scared. How am I going to do this? A lot of it's like, I just miss my mom. I wish my mom were here. I just want my mom. Like, screw the husband. Like, I just want my mom to be yeah. here to help me. And which I haven't had for any of my pregnancies um, or births. But really missing her a lot this time around and just feeling like I wish I had, you know, that. And um, and I don't. So I'm I'm just kind of bracing for it. Mark's been great. I think he'll be here a lot. Um, I'm a pretty intrepid baby mom and like travel a lot. I took my, my second, my, my youngest to Australia on book tour when she was 10 weeks old. And I like went over there for a month. Like I'm not afraid of flying and traveling around with babies. So if I'm going back and forth a bit to Georgia, that's fine. Yeah. And Mark will be here. And, um, yeah, I have an amazing community of friends and awesome women. Yeah. 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 And my oldest just, is like dying to baby something. Aww. She just like wants to mom something so hard. She's like, she keeps trying to mom her little sister and she's not having it. <laughs> so I'm excited that she'll have a baby to deal with. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that's great. because So it doesn't sound like, will you just continue with your practice? And I'm going to take a little time off. I've yeah. been developing a lot of online programs so that a lot of my work can be accessed online. You can do courses with me yeah. with like video and audio meditations and workbooks I've created based around the work I do. Oh, that's cool. So those Where are can we find those? On my website, clairebidwellsmith.com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, um, what are what are some of those courses? Like what's one course that we could take that would be? Right now I just have my general grief course. So okay. it, it runs through like a 12-week program and you get um, video and audio messages every week. You get a workbook that correlates. Um, you really like work through different facets of grief as I believe they need to, you know, really be steeped in. Things need to be examined, kind of going through like what you may feel guilty about or what's causing you anxiety or different ways to manage depression. Um, wow, that's, I need, to take that course. Yeah. That sounds great. It's I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's based on like, you know, my 10 years of working in this field and all my personal experience. So great so. to make something like that 
so accessible to so many more people because there's yeah. only one of you. You only have one office. Right. You only have an eight-hour work I'm day. Already, I'm capped out with my f- private practice right now. I can't take on more clients even if I wanted to. Yeah. So I wanted to create something where more people can access my work. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I'm continuing to build on it. I'm going to have an anxiety-specific course and a workbook that goes with that. And I need all of those. <laughs> <laughs> I need all of those. Um, okay, so we have come to the point where I'm going to ask you three questions I ask every guest. Okay. And then there's going to be a lightning round of questions. Oh, shit. So yeah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I'm getting um, anxiety. Anxiety, anxiety. <laughs> uh, okay. First question. What do you think about when you hear the word MILF? Oh, you? I don't know. <laughs> not, not just because of the podcast, because I think you're so hot. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Feelings mutual. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I keep, my mantra lately has been like, I don't have to do anything. Like it's, I've changed my mind about having to control everything. Like Mm. I don't have to do anything. It's all just doing its own thing. Like I don't have to do a damn thing. I could probably sit on this couch all day and my life is going to happen the way it's going to happen. And I I don't have to do anything. Mm. So I keep telling myself that Mm. rather than trying to hold so tightly to everything and make everything happen a specific way. How do you define success? I define that with being able to feel like I'm being really present and happy. Um, happy is a weird word, but um, yeah, success to me isn't isn't material or monetary. It's really feeling like settled and confident in my life and just feeling like I'm doing the right things that I wanted to be doing. Okay, lightning round. Mm. You ready? Mm-hmm. Beach or mountains? Beach. Favorite junk food? Potato chips. Go to the movies or go to a play? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Both. (laughs) I love sex. (laughs) Texting or talking? Texting. Cat person or dog person? Cat. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? No, never, ever. (laughs) Shower or bathtub? Uh, Shower. Cake or pie? Ooh, pie. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Terrible. Zero. If you could push a button and have perfect skin for the rest of your life, but it would also give you incurable halitosis for the rest of your life, would you push it? No. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? Yeah. Superpower choice, invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is <laughs> or a third eye? I always have to clarify this one. It is a fully functional penis, fully functional. And the third eye is a literal third eye in your forehead. God, that's hard. I think I'm going to go penis. <laughs> what was the name of your first pet? Um, oh, my gosh. There were so many. Annie. And what was the name of the street you grew up on? Herds Drive. Hertz? Herds. Herds. Wow. So What's my porn name? Annie Herds Drive. <laughs> I always like to add the drive My last name it. is Driver. So. <laughs> That's right. So let's just change it. <laughs> Annie Herds Driver. Okay. I like it. Thank you so much, Thank Claire. You. So nice to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Claire. Again, if you want to, you can pre-order her book, Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief. 
online or you can on September 25th, it will be on the shelves at all your major book retailers. So please check it out. Also check out her website, clairebidwellsmith.com. That'll be also listed on our website, milfpodcast.com, where you can find show notes for every episode, tweetable quotes, and you can also sign up for my newsletter, all the news of everything milfy. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Next week on the show, we have Kelly Hoover Greenway, who is a total babe. Uh, and just a solid rock star mom uh, and human being. So please tune in and thanks again to all our listeners. I really appreciate you guys and I'm so glad to be able to bring you these stories every week. 